Welcome to episode number one of RSVP, the podcast about stationery and so much more. I'm your host, Les, and with me tonight are my co-hosts, Dee and Lenore. Tonight, we're talking about critical acclaim and stationery, but first, let's talk about what we're drinking. Dee, what are you drinking tonight? I am being ordinary, and I'm drinking water. Um, so, there's that. And writing, I'm writing with a Caran d'Ache graphic uh, pencil. It's actually one of my favorite pencils because it's neon. And as you get to know me more, you'll know neon's my thing. Um, but it's really kind of cool because the graphic has like little like raised grip that kind of looks like a zebra print on the end of the pencil. Um, and it's an HB, so it, it writes pretty decently. And I'm writing in uh, Field Notes uh, Cherry Wood. What about you, Lenore? I am drinking a Louisville lager from a local brewery, and I am writing with a Blackwing 205 that you guys will be shocked to hear. I have not modified. It's actually got its original ferrule on it. What? I know, right? It's crazy, but every now and then I'm a purist. And I'm writing in a Calipino dot grid um pocket notebook that I just realized again, I think Les sent me. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think of the Calipino? Um, I like it. And you know, I I don't go through notebooks very fast, but I like the size of the dot grid a lot. And I really like how unobtrusive this dot grid is, that it makes it very easy for me to write in straight lines. Um, But it's um, like, you could almost sketch over it and not really notice it very much. So it's it's a really nice little notebook, and the paper's nice in it. Um, this one, actually, uh, I've had it in, in my bag for a while, and it has um, a couple of grocery lists and some notes from a teaching workshop that I was doing, <laughs> and I just pulled it out again to put notes in. All right. Um, so I am drinking a green tea latte um, that I actually made here at home. It's very, I don't know, it's a little too sweet for me. Um, I'm still using my blue pencil pusher notebook and I'm writing with a Statler 12360 number 2HB which is a naked wood pencil <gasps> um, and I can't tell if it's I think it might actually be made out of cedar because it does it does have a cedary scent but uh, my sinuses are all sinusy from early allergy season so I, I'm not... <laughs> Not absolutely <laughs> yeah. certain of it, whether or not it's cedar. And it just says that it's ecological wood on the package. Um, but these are, you can't get them in the U.S. You can, I think Amazon, I'll, I'll post an Amazon link. Um, but I traded with them with Hana um, and she got them in Korea. Oh, cool. So yeah, they're, they're a fun little pencil. There's no ferrule. There's no eraser. There's just pure naked wood. <laughs> so I enjoy that. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's talk about what's new in the world of stationery. Um, Dee, do you want to talk about the, the Palomino 205? Uh, sure. Um, I'm still waiting to get my hands on them uh, because I like to... I don't have a subscription, but I like to order from like local shops. So my first stop would be my local art supply store next town over. Sometimes they can get them, sometimes they can't. If not, I usually go to CW Pencils to order them. Um, so I'm just going to say it up front. I don't like them. Like, 
I I like the concept, I guess. I th- I think what I'm most disappointed about is the way that the marbling is put on the pencil. Um, I don't think it's a wrap. I saw like a thread talking about that. It's not like a pencil wrap. It's like painted somehow, kind of like the 1138 was done. It is. It's a, um, Charles yeah, it's actually printed. commented in the in the group somewhere about it being a half tone, and it is a sort. It's not a wrap like a shrink wrap, like you would, like plastic. It's a wrapped paint like print. So like the okay. pencil is turned as it goes through the half ter- half tone. So it's yeah. sort of wrapped, if that makes sense, but not. It's not a plastic wrap. Yeah, there's not a piece of anything that could peel. Right. It's it's paint, but half tone. Yeah. So, like, I saw one of the first images I saw of the pencil was a close-up shot. And it's very, like, you can see the seam. Um, and it's very, like, pixelated looking. Like, I was mm-hmm. actually expecting something, like, you know, the Nataraj marble pencils? Yeah, oh, those are pretty. I was expecting that. And I think that, you know, like, that's where it kind of threw me off. Yeah. I do, like I said, enjoy the concept, but it's not going to be my favorite. I'm still going to buy them from the collector standpoint, Mm -hmm. um, because you don't know, I mean, which ones are going to be worth something. I I made a couple hundred bucks a few months ago selling some Blackwing special editions. So, you know, I'll I'll buy them, but they're not my favorite. Right. Yeah, I think that the the printing is not well done, especially when a pencil as cheap as the, as the Nataraj marble is available, and it's actually marbled. It uses like the traditional marbling technique, and it looks fantastic in comparison. Mm-hmm. I think that's just sort of frustrating. Yes. Yeah, they do. Those those marble pencils really look do look so gorgeous. They're mm. really really nice, but they're they're also all different, and you don't get the True. You know, you don't get the uniformity. So if you get one that you don't like, you're just kind of like, oh, well. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. true. But I can't but help. I... No, go on. Go ahead. No, you go. Nope, you. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> okay. Um, like, I, I think but that's part of, like, like Jade. Jade is not uniform. And I think that would have matched the theme so much better if they had done, like, a traditional marbling that isn't uniform and had those colors of Jade. I think it would be beautiful. Where is this just sort of yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I and I don't. I, I mean, obviously, we don't know what the what the decisions were that went into this in terms of what process they could manage to do in there. I mean, I don't know what it takes to set up to marble a bazillion pencils, right? It's <laughs> true. It's true. So you know, for a limited edition run, like what what what's the ramp up for that? You know, because right. there's got to be some place between. Um, doing marbling on a, a kind of home level, which I remember my mom doing when I was in high school, you know, just as yeah. a, a generally crafty person, she was into marbling for a while. Um, and between that and ramping up to something that you're going to do production work, like what does it take to do a limited production run uh, of real marbling? And there's got to be a, a point in there that it's, there's got to be a maximum to that graph someplace. Absolutely. Where it's a real pain. Um but, Les, do you have them? I don't have them. I've only seen pictures yeah. online, and I'm not drawn to them, so I won't be buying them. Well, okay, so I'll just say that, like, for me, um, like the the gold one last time, I like them much more in person than I like them in the pictures. 
And I was really happy to get mine because I opened the box. I was like, okay, I see what they mean about the pixelation. Um, and, but you just, you don't notice it as much when it's in your hand or I don't, you know, and I'm on the, um, you know, <laughs> I'm on, I'm on a certain side of 40 and, <laughs> you know, my, my close up vision is not as good as it used to be. And, um, I have, I've, I've been nearsighted my entire life. So I'm in that space where to read something close, I have to pick my glasses up and look without them <laughs> because I still have to have my glasses for distance, but I don't have to get reading glasses yet because I can still focus on things nearby just by taking my glasses off. But, you know, I'm sitting here using this pencil right now and it's, it's really beautiful. It's a really, really nice looking piece of work. And, um, you know, I mentioned this in the group that I just think, if these had been, you know, just a box of pencils by anybody else but Blackwing, we would have just all been impressed with how great the core was. And, and we wouldn't have thought anything about the printing on them, you know, and I've, you know, I've seen the prices being charged for Kate Spade pencils or, I mean, even those LL beans. <laughs> like, oh, don't get me Come on, what were those? Them. Like 13 bucks for five pencils or yeah. something, yeah. you know, which is just stupid. Yeah. It's yeah. insane, Beyond right? Because they're probably yeah, like Musgraves or something. Well, you know they're Musgrave. Who else Of who course else they're, does, well, I mean, like, what else speci- are they going to be? Who else does specialized pencils in the U.S.? If they're, if they're made in the U.S.A., they're, they're Musgrave. Because yeah. Generals doesn't do special edition pencils. They don't right. do yeah. special printing. So, um, so but I, I mean, I, I do think that they look much better in print than you would think from the highly close-up pictures. And I mean, I'm sorry, in person than they do from the I, close-up pictures. I kind of feel bad for being such a, like, jerk about it. Like, but, because I don't have them in hand. But just from seeing, like, their actual photos for promotional materials and then group members photos i think that that you know maybe when i get them in it'll it'll be different um for me but yeah i don't know and i i I also i love this core and i I kind of keep forgetting because i i really love the soft core in the mmx and that's what i always like to kind of gravitate back to but i have to admit that from a practical standpoint this core is better it's it's um the soft core I love writing with it, but it does get on my hand and it does go dull really quickly. And this is, you know, this is one of those grudging things where I'm like, okay, I said I didn't like the harder core, but I admit that it's better, but I still don't like it as much, but I admit it's better. (laughs) (laughs) So, so that means you have the clutch notebook that they just um, released as well. I do. Yeah, I do. And what do you think of that? Well, okay, I haven't written in it yet because, again, I don't go through notebooks very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually, it's, um, I, I should have just tested a pencil and it just to test a pencil. But, um, I actually like it. And, um, the, the cover of it, ah, there was, it, there was a while that there were a bunch of things with kind of a rubbery texture, like pencils with a rubbery texture on them mm-hmm. that were a little bit grippy. Uh huh. Yep. Um, and it's almost like that kind of what recycled tire grippiness yes. on like, the surface of like it. Like a Wopex? It's actually, uh, no, no, not oh. like a Wopex. <laughs> like, like, um, like some of the black Triconderogas okay. a while back had, had a little bit of a grippy texture to them. And, um, it's, I, I usually don't like that 
I usually don't like having that kind of slightly soft, slightly grippy texture on things, but I actually really liked it on this one. Like it didn't feel gross. It didn't feel like it was going to get sticky or anything like that. It just felt kind of nice to hold. It was almost a little bit leathery. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was, it was a nice notebook. I actually liked it. And I'm, um, unfortunately it's at work and I'm at home right now. So I'm, I'm looking to see that I'm not remembering this incorrectly, but it seemed like they had the paper in, um, in several signatures when I was looking at it instead of being just, um, one fold up the middle. So I'm looking to make sure I wasn't just making that up because I may have been making that up. But yeah, no, I, I actually liked it quite a lot. I don't know what kind of papers in it because, like I said, I haven't tried that mm-hmm. yet. But yeah, do other either of you have the Blackwing Point Guard? No, I don't. Because no. they just came out with a gold version of it that apparently matches the ferals on most of the Blackwings pretty closely. I have yet. Yeah, to I don't out. like the gold ferals. Yeah, they're not Neither my favorite. I. Um, so, D, you have a Pollux, right? And they are now back in stock at CW? I have a pair of Pollux. So I have Pollux's. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) Um, and they also have the Caster in stock, which I don't think any of us have. No. No. And, um, so I've seen pictures of the point from the Caster, and it was described as very similar to the Coombe Long Point single hole point. Um, okay, which is I think kind of meh. I'm not I'm not too excited about that, especially since it uses the exact same blade as the Pollux, which um, is hard to get. Yeah. Oh yes, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah, like I I have twelve <sighs> blades for the Pollux. Nice. And I already had to replace cool. one just from use. Mm-hmm. So I'm savoring them until Caroline gets more in. Mm. Well, supposedly, she, well, she has actually put up on the group and on Instagram, I think, that she's ordered more. So they're on the way. Yes. Yeah. I, that's exciting. I, like, I'm glad that that's an item that's not very expensive because the mm-hmm. Pollux itself is $28. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> I will probably, not even joking, buy, like, if they're, I forget how much the blades were. Like, no more than $5, I think. I think they were like five bucks for a three pack. They weren't yeah. expensive. So I'm going to buy like 10. Yeah. <laughs> and have, sense. and have 30 blades. Well, and I, then just hope you don't lose your little printer, your little <laughs> sharpener. <laughs> um, well, that's why I'm, I'm nervous that I'm going to trade uh, my second Pollux to Les for her uh, handmade notebooks. So, um, I may buy another Pollux. I don't know. I like having two because I get so freaked out. So I have like a, a pencil case from CW, the, the leather case. And when I put the Pollux in there, sometimes it goes all the way to the end of the case and it kind of gets hidden. And so, so you like think a, you've lost it? Yes. I have like a mini heart attack every time. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. So I'm going to I I bought when the Masterpiece Sharpeners first came out, I bought two. And I have not lost my masterpiece yet, and I still have one hoarded away just in case I lose my masterpiece. Yep. Yeah. So, you know. Um, All right, so moving on to the next new thing. Baron Fig just came out with a new confidant, the Metamorphosis. That looks really pretty. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I... 
I love this. I might actually have to buy this. That salmon-y pink color with the blue inside, that is gorgeous. And I'm not a huge, generally a huge fan of their their minimalistic design aesthetic. Um, but there's something about the metamorphosis that I really dig. Um, do either of you have if, the... If it speaks to your soul, you know, then... I know. I, my wallet is crying beside me. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, wallet. My soul is talking. <laughs> <laughs> so do either of you have the right telegraph edition? Um, Not yet. Yeah, I, I do. I actually... Um, I don't have a subscription because I can't justify $100 at one time. Um, not to myself, but to my wife. So it's easier for me to uh, to Wives, buy them, right? Yes. So it's easier for me to to spend the thirty or so dollars buying them as they come out. Um, so I buy two sets of notebooks, two sets of pencils, and the pencils. I mean, I liked most of their pencils. My favorite favorite is probably the, the Lenore pencil. Oh my gosh! <sighs> I, yeah, I, I can't. I can't even touch that thing. Yeah. That that hex is so sharp. It hurts my feelings from across the room. That's my favorite, though. I, <laughs> I, I, I like sh- I like sharp hexes. So, um, so yeah. So the pencils are wonderful. Like it's a soft hex, Lenore. So you'll oh, be good. happy. <laughs> oh, good. Because <laughs> the the lacquer on it is really nice. Um, it's really nice and smooth and has a nice little shininess to it. And the font, the the word telegraph is is great. Oh, it's so beautiful that font. Yeah. And can I just point out how much I really wanted to like the Lenore? I would assume. Yeah. Like, I really, really, really wanted that to be my pencil. <laughs> but it's not. Yeah. Very sad. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, and the notebooks are great. Um, like, my, like most write products, they come in that, like, fold-out four-flap thing. Yeah, and the, uh, the boxes are nice. Yeah, and, you know, the, the picture of of morse on the front is really cool and it has like really nice like you know gold like embossed filigree like it's it's really elegant and what's really funny is the little flap that tucks in has little um stamping of the words what hath god wrought on it um and the notepads, I haven't translated mine. I got the sense that the Morse code on these is different and that there might be some out there that are unique. <gasps> oh, that's so, cool. So on the back of each notebook, I mean, on the front, the Morse code's the same. I assume it says telegraph. But on the back, there's different Morse code, like, sayings or words because my three notebooks, you know, one is, like, one line, one is five lines... So one of these days I'll translate them, but they, they posted like a, a Twitter post about, you know, like, have we found them all yet or something? Hmm. So I don't know what that was about, but yeah, like, so I really want to translate mine to see what's up. Um, someone, that's um, really cool. Someone posted a translator in one of the threads in Erasables. Oh, perfect. So. So yeah, so I like them and, and they're, I'd say my second favorite edition nice i like the royal blue the best so far very nice so all right 
So let's move into our main topic and talking about critical acclaim. Dee, you want to talk about Caroline's book first? Uh, sure. So um, most people in the pencil community know who Caroline Weaver is. She runs a tiny little pencil store um, in New York City um, on the Lower East Side. And she also has an online store. Um, and she carries a lot of vintage stuff now more so she has current stuff because she's just it's kind of exploded within the past year I mean I remember ordering from her a year ago and you know she had a good selection but it's probably quadrupled in this past year um so I didn't know this until probably I don't know six or seven months ago that she had written a book or was writing a book so I was really excited because there's very few books out there on pencils. I mean, we have Petrosky's book, The Pencil or whatever, which I own, but it's too intimidating to read. Um, <laughs> it's not that it's intimidating because I can read academic stuff and I can read real sciencey stuff, but it just, I flip through it and I just, I can't, I put it back down. So one of these days I'll read it. And then she carries a book in her store that's about pencils, but I think it's written in Italian. Hmm. <laughs> um, or That's not helpful. No. Oh, well, but, okay then. So there's that. So there's really not any many books about the pencil. Um, so I was really excited because I know Caroline, you know, from meeting her, going to her shop a couple times. And, you know, we've spent many, you know, many, many hours talking about pencils cumulatively. And, like, she's just so knowledgeable about them that putting it into book form I thought would be a good idea. So I got the book. Um, it's $40. And, you know, like initially I was like, oh man, that's a lot of money. But when I got the book, it's totally worth the $40. Um, the company that published it, Gestalten, um, they, I used to work at a bookstore and any book that they put out, like their attention to detail is amazing. Like, they just have a really good eye for like consistency and design around the books that they, they publish. Um, so aesthetics wise, before I get into the content, um, the front cover, I, I can't really, it doesn't translate well on the internet. Um, looking on her page and looking at the pictures I took of it, it's this like pink salmony orange color. If that's the best way to describe it. It's on the, it's borderlining neon in a way. Um, but the book cover is, uh, matched up with the inside of the book. There's, there's different features. So like at the beginning of each chapter, you know how books have like the first letter of the first sentence is like a giant letter. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. So that is in the color of the cover. Each chapter has like a two page spread that has the page, the entire page is the cover, the cover color. And then the font is white. So it's. It's a reverse background. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So, and then each image, it actually tricked me. When I was writing my review, I actually had to go back. Um, so I thought that she had pictures and drawings in the book, like pictures of products and pictures of ads. Every single image in this book is hand-drawn by somebody. Oh, wow. Uh, it, like, I... I was looking because I was looking for cause what I was, is this 1870 because I was like wait a minute like like this can't be this can't be like a drawing of an ad this looks like the real ad and then I was looking for um, photo credits like in the back of the book 
Because assuming if she used the actual picture of the ad, it would have to have like a credit for the photo. Mm-hmm. There's none of that. So the more I looked, the more I noticed it. And legitimately, every image in this book is hand-drawn by an artist. And in the back, it says there's an artist for the book. So I thought that was a really cool touch. Um, because if you notice yeah, on my on my webpage, I have the review. And the first, like when you open the book, there's little pencil nubs, like drawn in the cover flap and... And it's actually of of the pencils that Caroline used to write the book. But oh, if wow. You, if you look at them, they look like it's a photo. Like, the way the ferrule's drawn, it looks metallic. And it's not. It's That's hand-drawn. So that's an amazing touch. Um, it has that's a little, really cool. <clears throat> it has, like, a little black silk, like, ribbon as a bookmark, which is a kind of cool touch. Um, so content-wise... What I really liked about it, a lot of this stuff, not to be a pencil elitist, but I, I knew all this information already, like how they discovered graphite and all that. Right. Um, but it was very well researched. You know, like it really, it, you could tell that she actually went to these places to find out this information. And another cool feature of the book, instead of footnotes, she has these little sidebars. So like in the text, I, I posted a picture of it. It'll have the text, but then in the color of the cover again it'll have this little sidebar to like either have like commentary or more information about what she's talking about. So I thought that was really cool instead of having footnotes in the book to just do these little asides right in the paragraph. So I like that feature a lot. It almost seemed like you were reading the book with, with her next to you kind of adding in information. Oh yeah. That's really cool. that's, That's really nice. So the design is really what won me over initially. And then I read the book in like two sittings because it's an easy read because I love pencils. So I didn't want to put it down. Um, so not only does she take you through the history, she starts in like the 1600s and goes through current day. And um, But in the back, there's some really cool parts that that I like that she added. So there's a glossary of pencil terms, which I thought was cool. Um, places in the world where one can find pencil related things. So stores tourist attractions, that kind of stuff. And she has a really extensive bibliography. Um, I didn't expect it to be as long as it was because it's pencils. You know what I mean? Like I thought, you know, (laughs) but so that's cool because eventually I'll dig into that and like look at some of that stuff um, to see. Um, And I like that she wrote her story, like how she got into pencils and how she got into creating CW Pencil Enterprise. Um, It's kind of a really really good story because it started you know she I don't want to spoil everything but I think this is common knowledge among a lot of people you know she started right at you know like out of her closet like she would order these pencils and it was like a home type business until it picked up and then she bought the, you know she rented out the storefront yeah I'm pretty sure I ordered from her before she yes. had her store open yep so so yeah so it's really cool to see someone start something from the ground up and it just kind of like picked up on its own like the new york times interviewed her um you know and it's a thing now i mean whenever i visit her shop when i'm in new york there's always people in there um i sat there for about an hour last time i was in the shop and five or six customers came in and a lot of it's like moms and their kids you know getting pencils for school or like an a person that's looking for a gift for somebody so it's really kind of found its spot in the not just the niche community 
but the community as a whole. Um, so yeah, so I love the book. It's great. It's a great read. Um, even if you don't love pencils as much as I do or we do, um, it's a cool thing to have because it's a cool commentary on an item that you kind of don't think twice about when you use. So I definitely recommend it. Um, and yeah, I mean, my review, um, if you go to the weeklypencil.com, um, the review is, is up there. So that's kind of all I have to say about that. So moving into the other half of our main topic, um, with the new releases are always critics. When you go deep into a hobby, no matter the hobby, the people that are into that have opinions about the product itself, the marketing surrounding the product, and, and they voice those opinions. Um, as you could tell from our discussion earlier about the Palomino 205, um, Baron Fig gets a lot of discussion, Write Notepads gets a lot of discussion, uh, Field Notes ha gets a huge amount of discussion about the products, what the products look like, and even the marketing surrounding those products. So we thought we'd explore this tendency to criticize, but also to applaud the you know, product makers. Um, so I guess the first question that, that we, really, we really wanted to ask ourselves, are we jerks for being so critical or does it come with the territory? <laughs> so what do you think? What do you two think? Do you, do well, you have any specifics or Lenore? I I always have specifics. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of an agitator. <laughs> um, I always said I, I'll never run for politics because uh, run for office or be in politics because I have too strong of an opinion on things. I'm too polarizing. <laughs> but I don't think I think if you if you do it elegantly, you're not a jerk. Um, you know, I have three main, like, desires when I buy an item. And this is not just stationary, but does it work as intended? Mm -hmm. Is it visually appealing and, and not just visually appealing, but is the art or style of the item executed in a clean looking way? Like, not just, you know, slapped on there, or paint or whatever, you know what I mean? And then... Um, probably like durability or overall quality. Um, and sometimes these products fall short. And I think, I think it's important to say how you feel like the field note situation recently with the corners split on the notebooks. Some are worse than others. I think it's important to say how you feel. I mean, I know they're only, you know, it's, you know, it's not expensive. They're not super expensive. But that's no, not but the they have point. gone up. Yes, they have. So that's not the point. But the point is that, like, you're paying for an item. I know the some people's argument was the corner split when I put them in my pocket anyway. Well, yeah, that's because you're using the item. Right. You should I be, should be like one. buying jeans with the whole the yes. knees already ripped out. Yes. Right. <laughs> you know, like, well. Yeah, I mean, like, if I buy something, I should be the one destroying it. I should be the one wearing it in. Yes. Not, it shouldn't come, unless, unless the point is to buy something pre-distressed, like those jeans that so right. many people seem to like with ridiculous holes already torn in and them. And get off my lawn. Shake my cane at you. But, like, when I buy a, when I buy a field notes, I expect that I'm the one who wears those corners in. That yeah. the use of it and the wear and the, the eventual 
excuse the Americanization of this, but the wabi sabi of it, it yeah. it's mine, you know, and it reflects my use, not a shoddy cut and paste. And shoddy is the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Like it shouldn't reflect yeah. that something wrong in the manufacturing process. And as someone who makes books, like I understand the problems and why those corners are cut. Part of it is, yeah, your your corners get ratty looking when your blade is dull your corners get ratty looking when you don't clamp it tightly enough so when that shear comes down if everything is not clamped tightly it tears if things aren't right. aligned properly the shear will will tear instead of instead of cutting and it's a sign that something isn't right in the manufacturing process and if the manufacturing process is done properly and it absolutely can be quality controlled I don't care how many books are being processed, produced, or made, or put out into the public. It can be quality control. The QC should be there. If the QC is not there, then the manufacturer or whoever is making these notebooks for the companies needs to step up and hire someone to do the quality control. And the fact of the matter is that it really shouldn't take, it shouldn't cost any more. I don't know. That's, that, I, mm, mm, it, that's one of yeah. my pet peeves is like, oh, you can't quality control it. They make too many. Well, <laughs> right? <laughs> because companies do this all the time. There are companies that make high-end goods. So what? Because BMW is now a massive company, they can't quality control and we should expect tires to fall off? Yeah. Shenanigans. <laughs> Don't give me that line. If, you know, I mean, it's... Uh, eh. well, the I thing need to that... stop. <laughs> The thing with me is, and I'm not a, I'm not, you know, obsessed with field notes, but I like them. I, I you know, some editions come out and I really like the way they look. Like, I love the Shenandoah. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite. But, like, I have this image in my head, and that's another thing I guess we can kind of bring into this, is how companies present themselves. Mm-hmm. So, my image, not anymore, but my image of, of field notes was like, all right, this is this, like, really cool, like, you know few man kind of operation right. who prides themselves in creating unique items that are are quality right you know like yeah. you know like that's their thing that's their right, image. exactly like that's what i think Ooh. of i think of like when they make field notes you're in this like big warehouse that like they repurposed to make notebooks and it's just a couple guys doing the thing you know well except that it's now changed it's now they are now partnering with L.L. Bean, which, you know, I know everyone wants to say, hey, L.L. Bean is an American company. I'm from Maine, where L.L. Bean used to have their factories. And I know a lot of people who used to work for L.L. Bean. And L.L. Bean does a lot of their manufacturing in Malaysia and China now. And it's, yeah, it is still an American company. But most of the majority of their stuff, with the exception of some of the bean boots, is made overseas. It's not all American anymore. Um, so, and then on top of that, so they're also partnering with Carhartt, which, you know, yes, it's an American company, but where are their products made? So they're, they're partnering, they're now partnering with these big giant companies that are, yes, American, but they're also manufacturing things from outside of the United States, which I think is a outside sort of part of this conversation that's more politics than actual stationary goods. But I, I guess my point is here is that, Field Notes has gone from this like three to six man company into something that is, you know, 
a big company. And I guess the image that we have of this being like this little tiny company that, you know, produces these really cool things is something it's, it's a legacy. And yes, they still produce these really cool stationary goods and they're really fun, but at the same time, they're no longer this teeny tiny company that they used to be. Yeah, they're still small. They're not, they're not gargantuan, but I don't know. I guess I've, I've kind of, I've moved past field notes and into other things, if that makes sense. But that's the paradox, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's the whole paradox, right? You open a business and you, um, you're running something by yourself and you have this image. And if you become successful, you know, part of how we define success is that you grow and you get bigger and more people want your thing, you know, and it's kind of, um, it's kind of the same thing that happened to Starbucks or to Pete's coffee house, right? That they, they started off as something really cool and then they became successful and they got big and they became a chain and now everybody likes to make fun of them. Right. And, that's like how do you how do you stay small and keep to those roots if that's even a value that you want to do how do you keep to those roots when every new edition that you put out is you know selling out <laughs> you know because people think they're going to be able to make mint on them on eBay like beanie babies right, right. so you know, at some point you're trying to make enough so that people who actually want to get them and use them can get them and use them and that you cut off the, you cut off that eBay reselling kind of vulture mentality a little mm-hmm. bit, which we've seen Draplin, you know, complaining about. Um, but in order to do that, you have to make a lot of books. And in order to do that, you have to have a lot of people and sometimes you have to subcontract. So there's, I think there's this inherent paradox built into a lot of these things around the subscription services in particular, um, that just makes it really hard. Well, and, and more than makes it hard for the manufacturer, it also means that there's going to be this kind of widely different set of opinions about them. Right. In the marketplace. Well, yeah, I'm trying to think of an item where, it's from the same company, but it has several different manufacturers. Okay, perfect example. My favorite thing. So, Casemate Neon Pencils. Yeah. So, the ones from India are amazing. The ones from the Philippines are not. Because they're made by different contractors. Exactly. So, and that's where I think what you're talking about, you get into that. You know, like, I'm sure that the Field Notes, you know, group talked to whoever made those notebooks and made may not be using them anymore because of that quality control issue. I mean, we don't know these things, but, but yeah, you're right. There's this lack of consistency as you get bigger. So it's like, it's hard, you know, like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Um, but then there's other companies that like, and like less, like you said, you're kind of like past the field notes and I kind of am too, unless an edition really strikes me, I don't buy them like I used to, Yeah. but like write notepads, like that's my new thing because they are uh-huh. that operation, you know, that, that I like that small, you know, made in Baltimore. Um, you can go down there if you're in town to just check it out kind of thing. But they're also still a really relatively new service. And, yes. and how long has Field Notes been doing their subscriptions? Because I, I came into it late. I don't even know when they started. Since 2009, something like that? I'd, yeah, I'd have to check. It's been, 
Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So you're coming up on a decade of that, right? So yeah. I mean, you know, thirty more than thirty editions for sure so far. Right. And this is the other paradox, right? Because you have a following of people who expect a certain thing, and they expect innovation, but they also want it to be what they want it to be. Yep. And so, you know, it's the same thing that you have if you're a, a, a band that's successful enough to go on for a while, right? If you keep doing the same thing, people are upset because you keep doing the same thing. But God forbid you do anything new yeah. because, <laughs> you know, the right. people are going to hate right. that too. Yep. And if you do something new, then some people are going to love it and some people are going to hate it and think you've sold out. And if you're if you continue to be successful and more people start to like you, then they're going to consider you a sellout anyway. Which takes us back to the first problem. Exactly. You know, so this is, it, it's, I think that there's a life cycle around this. I think it's really, really hard for a subscription service like this to keep innovating, um, you know, to keep the old people and keep the new people. I think that's yeah. really, really hard. And, you know, if you're, if you're Highlights Magazine, you can keep doing the same thing because people keep aging out and then having more kids. <laughs> yeah. But if you're write notepads or if you're field notes or even if you're Blackwing, you know, you, you are probably hoping to keep some of the same subscribers for decades and keep adding more. And that's going to be really, really tough because people are going to be People are going to have very definite opinions on <laughs> every new thing that you try to do. And it's, it's got to be different and original or else it's just the new thing with a different, you know, the same thing with a different color cover. But if you make it too original, then people are like, well, I can't use this. I'm not even going to buy them because it's too different and it's not, you know, the utility isn't there and I don't like this paper and they should have used this other paper and whatever. So you have this constant problem with, with trying to, meet a quarterly deadline on on a what's got to be an innovative project. But I think there's a there's an other side to the subscription service. So we're talking specifically about the subset of notebooks and pencils that wherein they are either contracting or manufacturing creating their own product versus a subscription service like say Art Snacks. Where are you guys familiar with Art Snacks? Yes. Yes. Okay. So like they gather other people's products and and that's the subscription and now they are moving into doing their own sort of private label products so they're taking other manufacturers stuff and putting art snacks logo on it which i think is a sort of like some of the cwp specials yeah the cw pencil specials exactly like they just came out with a alvin hexamatic i think it's called the hexamatic hexamatic um, mechanical pencil in the art snacks uh teal it's gorgeous but it's still it's you know it's it's just a rebranded alvin mechanical pencil but it's different than what they've been doing in the past because they had it branded for themselves um so i think that's like a that's a different subset when we're talking about these subscription services because that's i don't know i think there's a something that we need to differentiate between yeah, the difference between the cure, the created box and the curated box, exactly. I think, is a is a really significant point yeah, be- to be making. Yeah, because like, say, for example, I have you know a subscription that's curated. Um, like, actually, we can bring this up because it's relevant. The CW uh, Pencil Enterprise. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's a perfect example for me personally of having an opinion on something. Mm-hmm. Um. 
and I wrote a blog entry on it and I initially just wanted to set out like any other curated box that I've gotten in the past I like to just do a, a price breakdown because I like to see the value versus right. cost just as a right. human as a consumer just to see and it fell short of what I paid for it but I still enjoyed it because I'm not paying for the items as much as I'm paying for the experience of having a curated box. Yeah, exactly. You know, and like, there's a lot more than just throwing items into a box. I mean, there was a super like detailed, well-designed pamphlet, like hand drawn pamphlet that came with descriptions of the items and it had a, you know, like it, it just... I loved it. It was a very satisfying experience exactly. to go through that box, to rifle but through that box. Again, you know, like I ran into this gray area because I was critical of some of the things that were in the box, like, um, you know, the Papermate Mongol mm-hmm. pencil that, you know, I mean, I haven't used mine, but a lot of people said their cores were shattered and stuff. Like, that's not CW Pencil's fault. Right. Um, per se. Um, well, I mean, you, know. it, you could also look at it and say that was a bad choice for the box. I mean, even Correct. though you might enjoy, like, everything about the box, you could say that one item yes. brought brought down the level of the box because it was a bad choice. And I think I know what they were going for. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, like, if they... I don't know how many subscriptions they got. I'm assuming a lot because I saw an Instagram photo of, like, a stack of boxes that was insanely huge. But right, like, and they had had they had shut it down because they were trying to grow it in more yeah. of a um, sustainable manner. So they had they had stopped taking new orders. Yeah. Um, so when they still had people who wanted it, you know, if they wanted to go with the Mongol, I mean, it wouldn't have been cost effective to really have a vintage one in there either. Right. So yeah, like I get what they were doing, but like if they were going for that like everyday kind of pencil, throw like a Ticonderoga in there. Or, like, a, a general's pencil in there. So, you're right. And, like, so it became this weird issue for me because I wanted to criticize some of the items that came in the box, but not the process. Right. So, you know, like, because the process is, is great. I'm going to keep getting them. I'm not going to cancel my, my subscription. But, you know, like anything else, I mean, there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows. And I think that, mm-hmm. like getting into the next thing where you know when we say like should we feel bad about this um i do and i don't so i don't feel bad when i say things about like blackwing or you know baron fig um but certain times you have relationships with people i've seen caroline in person and so it becomes this other issue of being a blogger who has an opinion and hoping that it could be separated from a casual friendship or <laughs> right. not wanting to say anything mean about someone you like. Because <laughs> I, I feel like I have a duty. I mean, I don't, I don't get things for free, so I pay for everything that I review. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I have a duty to be honest with people. But then you have a duty to your friend, but the duty to be honest to people outweighs that. And I think the criticism that we see sometimes you know, that's criticized. So the criticism of the criticism um, is from people that like, you know, don't want to hurt the feelings of others. And I think that, you know, it's just like anything else, business and pleasure and all that kind of stuff should be separate. Um, You know, and if, if something didn't meet my standards, I'm going to say that. Um, So... 
I yeah, don't, and you can't, you know. fundamentally, you can't be fragile if you're going to do creative things for profit. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a risk. You, have you to just have, can't. I think you have to develop a thicker skin because there are always going to be people who criticize what you do and how you do it and what you put out to the public. And that's part of the process in my mind. Um, so a, a final question to sort of wrap this up. Do you think companies should respond to criticism or a claim or anything? <laughs> well, it's yes and no. So for me, yes, if it's a quality control issue, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I One thing that I always look for any company and not just stationary, I want, I want ownership of what went wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't want the, I don't know, this happens or... Yeah, we used a new manufacturer. Sorry. You know, like, I want that, you know, like, proactive approach to fixing something, not the reactive, like, you know, so, but if they're responding from a personal level, which I have seen, I'm not going to call out anybody, but I've seen that, and it doesn't go over well, because it just, you know, I, I don't think, I'm not attacking any individual owner of any company. Mm-hmm. Um but if the product isn't good, I'm going to say that. So, you know, um, so yes and no. So they should respond if it's in a business manner. And they right. are humans and they have the right to their opinions to respond, you know, personally. But I think if you're running a business, you have to kind of separate that. I was also just, oh, go ahead. Lenore, no, no, no. you go ahead. Uh, just to say that th- I think that there's a difference between um, responding to cracked cores in the um in the archer which you know as far as i can tell baron fig has been really on top of when you know because the people who have said in the group that they had you know they had problems with their archers that they had broken cores or whatever have come back Mm -hmm. and edited their posts to say oh and i contacted them and they're they're setting me a new box right so they've been super um responsive about that and i think write notepads has also been really responsive to people i think there's a difference between responding to something where there's actually a qc problem that affects the use of an object um versus my spine's a little bit cracked on my field notes right yeah. so i i was one of the people who was less exercised about <laughs> you know whether the the field notes were cleanly cut or whether the corners were cleanly cut. You know, I wasn't, I was, I was on that side of, eh, it's a notebook. You know, right. it's not, it's not a high end journal. It's not, you know, it's something that I'm literally going to be carrying, like getting beat up in my bag and I'm going to be writing grocery lists in it and making notes to call people and, um, you know, whatever, cause that's how I use them. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that there is a, a real difference between responding to people complaining because they just don't like your idea versus people complaining because there was cosmetic stuff that they don't like versus people complaining because there were actual problems that affected the use of an item. And I haven't had any huge complaints about any of the companies that we've, um, you know, that we've been mentioning today in terms of, uh, kind of how they've handled, how they've decided to handle those various competing kinds of um, issues that might have come up. You know, I mean, if people complain about creative stuff, all right, you know, everybody's a critic, right? (laughs) (laughs) So you can respond to that how you want to, and I'm not going to get all up in arms about it, but I I think it has been good that the, 
the companies that we've um, that we've enjoyed working with have been have been companies that have been responsive to um, to problems and just have been involved with their customers and interested in whether their customers were happy beyond just how much it affected their bottom line. I think that, you know, to a certain extent, they're taking pride and ownership of their work and they want people to like it. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you guys have said. I think that thus far, all of the stationary companies that I've seen online have been very, very professional in how they've responded to quality control um, and even like personal criticism of the company. Um, I, I wanted to relate a short story that is adjacent to this. So I wrote, <laughs> I wrote a review of an author's short story and I, and I, I posted it online I, via Twitter and the author responded to me. And this is an author that I had, uh, I, I supported via Patreon in the past and I'd been reading for years and we'd interacted in the past on Twitter and everything was very amicable. And I hadn't liked this most recent short story they had posted. And she went off the deep end on me, cursed me out, called me names. And then when finally I was like, well, you know what? I'm done with this. I don't need this. I ended up blogging her. She went so far as to log into a second account to continue reading my Twitter. And oh my gosh. I mean, it was utter insanity. And, you know, so that's like, I mean, like, and what I had written wasn't particularly critical. It was like, oh, this is not this author's best work. You know, it was, it was just not that critical. And the way this person responded just was just so beyond the pale. I mean, it was totally out there. Um, but, you know, I think there's that, that, that sort of like when you see something like that, like my first response was like, okay, so first off, I'm, I'm no longer supporting you ver via Patreon. I'm no longer going to suggest your work to other people. And I'm not going to follow you on Twitter and retweet your tweets or, you know, look at your Instagram stuff because you are now a distasteful person to me. And right. so I think I've, you know, I've seen companies do that as well. I mean, I've seen companies and, you know, and we've got this United thing going on right now where United, <laughs> like, they're just like yep. diving into bad press. And this is a sort of thing, like if these companies, if these stationary companies were to respond poorly, I mean, I refer to Baron Fig's Squire pen as, as if, uh, let me see if, is there a way that I can say this on air without having to ding myself, um, as an adult toy. And Baron Fig takes that in stride and they send me tweets with little winkies and, and emoticons, you know, laughing <laughs> along with me. And, you know, that, even though, like, I'm not a huge Baron Fig fan, that makes me kind of love them. The fact that they're like, okay, you're, you're saying that our product looks like an adult toy. And nudge, nudge, wink, wink, ha ha. Uh, like we're gonna. They're take treating you like you're in on the joke, right? Like it's part of a, it's a joke, and they find it funny, and I love that. But I think that's also part of the stationary community is that there's this. Even when you get up into these companies that are that are huge, like let's face it, like Palomino is not, it's not a small company. It's it it's it's a yeah. corporation, and it's you know it's big, and they're so professional about all of this criticism that they've gotten over the 205 and the printing and, and everything that's, I mean, we don't know what's going on in private, but the, the face of the company is professional and it's interacting with us and in a professional friendly. way. Yeah. 
And and so I I really appreciate that as as an aside to this, you know, other companies that I've seen that just can't handle it. And that's awesome. I mean, that I don't know. I just I I love the stationary community. You guys are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we are, aren't we? We yes. really are. I mean, it's just like this really really sort of like open and we're like the, of all the online communities, we're the one that wears like tie-dye and Birkenstocks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's kind of true. We're pretty chill. And I think that's what draws a lot of people into, you know, the erasable community. Yeah, it really, it's, it's a, it's a fun and, and it's a pretty gentle place, which is nice. People share enthusiasm and even when discussions get a little bit heated, they never get mean. And no. that's really nice because a lot of places on the internet oh, yeah. are not like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So any last thoughts on this topic or can we call it a wrap? I think we're good for t- tonight. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you all guys right. so much. Thank you guys. Well, I've still got to do the call out. Yeah. Um, all right. You can find the podcast online at rsvpstationarypodcast.com. And D, where can we find you? Um, you can find me at theweeklypencil.com and on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, all the same, The Weekly Pencil. All right. What about you, Lenore? Where can we find you? I'm on Facebook and you can find me through the Erasable group. All right. And you can find me, Les, at ComfortableShoesStudio.com, Facebook at Comfortable Shoes Studio, Instagram and Twitter at OriginalLCHarper. Thanks, you guys. It's been Thank awesome. Thank you.